Trinity topic today. We're going to do the Trinity. Um, and by the end of today, you're all going to go home, and within 30 seconds, you're going to be able to say to your next-door neighbor, let me explain the Trinity to you. And if you manage to do that, you haven't listened to the sermon. Because you can't do that. <laughs> There's no way to explain the Trinity simply because the Trinity is a complex idea. So what we're going to be doing this morning, we're going to be bumbling around the edges of it, trying to at least get a grasp of it, and, and trying to understand something more of who God is. It's going to be a, a slightly different uh, sermon because we're not based out of one passage, because to be frank, there is no passage in the Bible that speaks of the Trinity. And we'll explore that in a second. But I came across a quote from C.S. Lewis, and I really like it. I like most of what he says. He once said, everybody has warned me. The ordinary person doesn't want theology. Give him plain, practical religion. And C.S. Lewis says, I have rejected their advice. I do not think the ordinary person is such a fool. Theology means the science of God. And I think anyone who wants to think about God at all would like to have the clearest and most accurate ideas about Him which are available. And so we're doing theology, and this whole month is doing theology. And, and please don't think it's dry and dull and dreary, because theology is looking to try and understand God better. I mean, as I said, we can't understand God, but, but we are behoved to try to understand Him better. Because He is God. He is the triune God. Mr. Packer, the great theologian, says, Christians don't talk about the Trinity and pastors don't preach about the Trinity because it's too hard. And it's, it's certainly not the first thing we do when we're evangelizing, is it? We tend to focus on Jesus and what He has done, and, and rightly so. But then comes the question, so tell me about the Trinity. Well, what can we tell them? First off, let me just reiterate, um, we're not here about trying to get knowledge about God, first and foremost. We're trying to find out about God, but... But if we treat this just as we want to know stuff about God, we're missing the point. We want to know God. And part of knowing somebody is knowing what they're really like. And so what we're doing this morning is, is trying to see what God is really like so that we can know Him better and relate to Him better. And I am of the firm opinion that, that if we understand the Trinity properly, how we relate to God should be affected. And I think we start at the end of the day when it comes to the Trinity with, with four biblical teachings that we just cannot escape. The first one we find throughout the Bible, but it's, it's really clear in Deuteronomy 6, which Glenn has read out for us. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that's the first biblical idea that we come across. God is one. There is only one God. This is one of the things which, which sets Christianity apart from many other religions. We, we aren't like the Eastern religions which say that there are many gods. 
Take your pick from the couple of hundred in India. Take your pick from however many there were in the ancient Near East surrounding the people of Israel. There is one God. Christianity says no to the atheists. There is more than no God. There is one God. There is one God, God the Father. The same God who the Israelites spoke of as Yahweh. The only true God. Remember my, one of my favorite Bible incidents, the story at Mount Carmel, where the prophets of Baal are destroyed. I mention this one a lot because it's such a great story. And, and the point of that incident is that the prophets of Baal are trying to prove that Baal is God, and they call on him, and they cut their wrists, and they, they do all sorts of things. And, and Baal, all he's got to do is light a little fire. I mean, any God worth his salt can light a fire, surely. I can light a fire. Goes all day, nothing. And then Elijah just says, God, prove yourself, please. And then he says, right, pour some water over the wood. More, more water! And it's sopping wet. Fire comes down, it's consumed. Point of that story, God is God, there is no other. There is no other. I think we'd all agree with that. There is one God. And yet... And yet, as we read through the Bible and as God reveals Himself to us, we, we see that God is also three. So, Matthew 28, 19, what does Jesus say? He's, this is the Great Commission. He says, Go into the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, we miss it a little bit, maybe, but He speaks of the name, singular, the one name, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this one God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and we, we see this revealed through history. I mean, first of all, um, God reveals Himself as God the Father, the one who spoke to our forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jesus, we, we meet Him and He says, I am the Son of God. I am the King. And the people, the disciples, and and even the Israelites looked at him and recognized that he was making a claim to be God. When he forgave sins, the, the, the uh, teachers of the law and the Pharisees looked at him and said, you are blaspheming, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, well, you want proof? I'll heal the person as well. And so the Bible presents us as Jesus being God. And Romans 1.9 we read about the, the people of Israel, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors, and Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, says Paul, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. And then Jesus, in John 14, says to his disciples... If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate or another counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and it doesn't recognize Him, but you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be with you. 
And so we see this progression from, from just, there is one God, to yes, He is the Father, worshipped by the ancestors. He is the Son, who reveals God to us, and He is the Spirit, who is another counselor, who leads us into all truth. And each one of these is God in and of Himself, and yet together they are God. Now, there have been people in the past who have tried to be clever and go, oh, ha, ha, there is only one God. I reckon God put on different masks. So way back when, He put on the mask of the Father. And then Jesus, He put on the mask of Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit, He put on the mask of the Holy Spirit. Because it's only one person. That's not what the Bible says. If God was putting on masks, it would be really mentally weird for Jesus to pray to the Father. Wouldn't it? You'd think it'd be a... Take him to Greylands. There's three people. And yet they are one. And, and the Bible says to us that they are one from all eternity. He said there was never a time when Jesus wasn't. There's never a time when the Holy Spirit wasn't. They, they've always been Father, Son, Spirit. They've always been relating to one another. The Father has always been the Father of Jesus. The Spirit has always been the Spirit that binds them together. They've, they've always been together. Three persons. In fact, if you look at, at quite a few places in the Old Testament, um, when all they knew really was God the Father, God threw out hints. Genesis 1.26, you remember what he says? He says, let us make mankind in our image, in the image of us, let us make him. Just this plural, us. Let us. As in, let all of us. And the Spirit hovering over the waters. Who God is has always been the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. In fact, Isaiah 48.16 has got the most marvelous statement. Um, speaking as Jesus, from the beginning I have told you plainly what would happen. And now the Sovereign Lord, God the Father, and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, have sent me, Jesus, with this message. So, we've got two things so far. We've got that God is one. There is only one God. There can only ever be one God because God says, I am one. And then we've got, well, I'm one, but I'm Father, Son, Spirit. Okay, one, three, maths doesn't quite work out. Um, what else do we hear? God is community, says the Bible to us. And, and, and what we see here is, is that although the Father and the Son and the Spirit are, are three different persons, they are still the same. And, and they work together. It, this is that, that image of the dance, that the Father and the Son are, are dancing together, and the Spirit is dancing together. And, 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 and although they are all one God, yet they are different as well. And they do different things. So, so the Father is the one whose will is paramount. 
The Father is the one who says, this is what we will do. Remember what Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, not my will, but yours be done, Father. Your will, Father. What did he teach us to pray? He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done. So God the Father, we see, is the one who is the, the source of all things. It's God who decided to create. It's God who decided to save. It's God who decided that He wants us to be His children. And Jesus is the one who comes and shows us God. Jesus is the one who comes and puts God's plans into action. Without Jesus, no one could ever know God. Because Jesus is the one who reveals God to the world. Par excellence. God's God, so he can hint at himself. But when he wants to show himself fully to the world, what does he do? He shows up in the sun. And then we've got the Spirit, who is the one who, who finishes the work of God. So God decides, Jesus puts it into action, and the Spirit powers it on. God is united. And he's united because he is love. A great writer called Sky Justani says that the Trinity says that at the heart of let me get it right, at the heart of all reality is a community of love. One John four, God as to his character is love. Have a read of that chapter when you get home. It's a good chapter. What does it mean for God to be love? In and of himself. It means that, that from all eternity, past and future and present, God in and of himself has been loving himself. God the Father loving the Son. The Spirit being, being the love that binds them together. And, and each glorifying the other. You, you know, what, what did Jesus say in, in, towards the end of his ministry in John? I think it was John 14 as well. He said, Father, I have given glory to you. Now glorify me. What does the Father do? The Father glorifies the Son. He makes everyone know, this is my Son whom I love. Listen to Him on the Mount of Transfiguration. He lifts him up so that all the world one day will bow down and every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. Jesus is Lord. And God has said, everyone will lift up the name of my son. And that's what God's been doing since before time. has been saying, Jesus, you are fantastic. You're God. You, by definition, you're fantastic. And what does Jesus do? Everything he does is to say, Father, you are brilliant. Why does he come and save us? Why does he join us to himself? Why does he bring us back? For the glory of God. So that one day we'll stand before the throne of God Almighty and say, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son to save us.
You are brilliant. And each member of the Trinity is active in everything that they do. There's nothing that Jesus does that the Father isn't involved with and that the Spirit isn't involved with. If the Spirit is active, Jesus is active and the Father is active. In fact, Paul goes as far as to say that, that if we have the Spirit of God, we have the Spirit of Christ, and, and just the kind of like, you got one, you got them all. Well, what about, what about our, our, our being saved? Jesus is the one who died and rose again for us. But it's the Father who sent Jesus to us. And it's the Father who raised Him to life. And it was the Father's will that we should be saved. And it's the Father who, who draws people to Jesus. And it's the Spirit who comes and works in us to open our eyes to say we need Jesus. And who then comes into our lives and makes us into Jesus so that one day we will stand before the Father. Did you get what I'm saying? If Jesus is working, the Spirit is working, the Father is working, you got one, you got them all. Because they are one. There is only one God. And what about that, that last one about us being transformed into the image of Christ? Well, God is the absolutely holy one, isn't he? The one who decides what is right and wrong, the, the benchmark. God the Father. But God is also the one who knows our trials and our tribulations and our temptations. You read yesterday's reading from Hebrews. It says we have a, a high priest who is able to, to stand there for us because he knows what we go through. And God is also the one who comes and takes up residence inside us as his spirit to give us the power to live a holy life and to prod us at the places where we need to change. Again, Father, Son, Spirit. I made you jump. Sorry. <laughs> Father, Son, Spirit. They're all working all at the same time. But how do they go together? We've got this one in three, and, and how do we... My mind struggles with that. How does it work? Well, there's really only one option. God must be a trinity. Okay, thanks. You gave it a word. What does that mean? I don't know. It means that God is one and God is three and is different but is the same. And I can give you all sorts of analogies, water and gas and liquid and solid and a tree with a root and a stem and leaves. I'm sure you've heard all sorts of analogies. And... They're somewhat useful. Do you know what the problem with all the analogies is? God's a person. It's not an egg. It's not water. It's not a tree. 
God's super personal. God in and of Himself has always been relating to Himself. And we're going to be looking at this next week. The, the God who is the relational God who, who relates to Himself and to us. I don't think it's surprising that the Bible never once mentions, well, it never mentions the Trinity as a word, but it never gives us an analogy for the Trinity. Because this is one of those things where we just say, God is God and I am not, and exactly how it works, I'm not sure. Shall I give you some physics again? Light is a fascinating thing. Because it... it it is demonstrably both something that has weight and something that doesn't at the same time. You see, light can move either as particles pushing against each other, and you can do science experiments to prove light is particles, and particles have weight. But at the same time, light is also a wave, like an electromagnetic spectrum thing, like your radio waves, which doesn't have any weight at all. And you can prove this scientifically. And so you have these very frustrated scientists who go, well, it does and it doesn't and I don't know how. But none of them go, and so there can be no light. They go, we don't understand, but it's there. It's there. <laughs> it's the same with the Trinity. One and three and three and one. God's God, I'm not, we don't understand, but He's there. That's how He has shown Himself to us. It's all throughout the Bible. Luke 1.35, that beautiful Christmas passage, says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. The Spirit, the Most Holy God, the Father, the Son of God. It's there. We have to deal with it. So what? I said to you this morning, what we're doing here is we're doing more than trying to find out facts about God. What we're trying to do is we're trying to find out more about God so that, so that we can relate to Him better. The more we know someone, the, the better we relate to them. And I want to suggest to us that, that understanding, or just not understanding, but glimpsing an understanding of the Trinity, that God is three and God is one, and that they are all totally for us, and they're all working at the same time. It's, it's got to change. It's got to change us. It's got to change the way that we love God and love others. It's got to change the way we look at God, obviously. It's got to change the way we worship. It's got to change the way we pray. It's got to change the way we, we receive love. I mean, love. God the Father is love, and and from all eternity, God has loved His Son, and the Son has loved the Father, and the Spirit has been the love that's been uniting them together. And, and if, if the Bible says we are being made into the image of Christ, what does that mean? Well, it means we're being in, made into people who are going to love. Yeah? And so, and so when we understand who God is, 
we see something more of what God wants us to be. Someone who is always loving and never hurting and never jealous and never angry, but, but always pushing up the other one. Always promoting the other. Because this is who God is and this is who we are called to be. When we worship, we're a Baptist church, so we don't worship the Holy Spirit, do we? Why not? When we worship, God is involved. All three persons of God is involved. When we celebrate what Jesus has done, we should be celebrating not just what Jesus has done, but that the Father so loved the world that He gave Jesus to do that, and that the Spirit comes to open our eyes and to make it real in our own lives. And so we shouldn't just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, say that. Say, say that. But also say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Spirit, that you are empowering this, that you're making it real. And, and putting that further along, what about our prayer? Who do you pray to? Who do you pray to? Father? Doesn't matter. Normally, we should be praying to the Father because Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. And God is, after all, the one who, who is the source of all things. He's the one whose will it will be done one day. And so we should pray to the Father and say, thank you, Lord, that your will will be done. And would you, would you do this? Would you help us to be part of your program? But absolutely, we should be praying to Jesus as well. And give Him in glory and honor, as God has been doing for all eternity, and saying, Jesus, thank You for all that You have done. Thank You that You have suffered on the cross for me. Thank You that You rose from the grave. Thank You that You're coming back. Thank You that You have promised to never leave us. Thank You that Your words are life. Thank You that Your words are truth. Thank You that Your words are all that I need. Thank You, Jesus, that You stand in heaven and intercede for me on my behalf for to the Father. Thank you that there can be no accusation because of your love for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. You kind of keep on overflowing. What about the Spirit? Well, the Spirit, the Spirit is, is, you could probably call him the silent member of the Trinity because the Spirit is always pushing attention to Jesus and to the Father. That's one way to test the spirits. Do they give the glory to Jesus and to the Father, and if they don't, then they're dodgy. But can we pray to the Spirit? Well, what does the Spirit do? The Spirit opens eyes. It convicts us of sin. It, it works in us to, to make us more like Jesus. It prods us with that irritating stick that says, you know what, actually I want all of your life. And so we can pray, Spirit, would you please keep prodding me even when I don't like it because I want to be like Jesus. We can pray, Spirit, would you please work to open eyes. Spirit, would you go ahead of us as we speak about Jesus to the world because ultimately you need, you need to go because the people of this age are blinded by the God of this age. Spirit, would you work to make us as a church united because you are the bond of unity. Spirit, would you remind us of, of the fact that we will one day see Jesus? Thank you that you are the first fruits. 
Thank You that You are the promise. Thank You that You are the one by whom we can say, Father. Not to sound led over again. And so we understand just a glimpse of who God is, that He is one. And, and I'm sure all of you knew this already. God is one, God is three, but what does it mean today? I came across this idea probably a, a year and a half ago that we can pray to all three members of the Trinity. And it wasn't a brand new idea, but I'd never actually taken it in. I used to just pray, Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all, but why not address all of God? Because God, the one God, Father, Son, Spirit, is concerned about all of us. And He wants to hang out with all of us. And we'll hear about that next week. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. All of them, with all of us. Amen.